Thanks for joining us today here at Emmanuel. We are one church in multiple locations. We believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that we hope is both inspiring and relevant to your life. If this service blesses you and you want to give back financially, you can do so at eclife.org. Click on Give and choose Online Viewer as your campus. Thank you again for joining us. Get ready for an incredible life-changing message. Welcome to Emmanuel Church. How are you feeling today? I hope you're excited to be here today. Hey, if you're a guest, we want to welcome you into our home. We hope the experience thus far has been a good one. Hopefully you got some coffee and uh, you enjoyed our nice restrooms. And uh, we want to say thank you for accepting someone's invitation. If you're joining us online, we want to welcome you. It's amazing. We have people all across the country, literally all across the world, tuning in right now live. It's so exciting. Can we give our online uh, audience a hand? We love you guys. So exciting. We're in a series right now called Get a Grip, and we started it last week, and basically what we said was this term, get a grip, or this phrase, get a grip, is used when, uh, when someone's trying to tell us, hey, dude, there is some area of your life that's out of control, and if you don't get it under control, there are going to be some serious consequences in your life, and so it could be your, your health and fitness, it could be your home, it could be your finances, uh, it could be the way that you, uh, I don't know, treat people, uh, it could be your job situation, you're not showing up on time, or you're consistently late, and somebody says, you need to get a grip. And if you don't get a grip in this area of your life, you may lose that job. You may lose that marriage, right? You're, you may lose your health, right? You may lose your reputation if you don't get this specific area under control. Last week, we talked about our words and how the, the tongue is a restless evil, a deadly poison, right? We looked at that in the book of James. The verse that could kind of sum up last week's talk is Proverbs 13, verse 3. It says, those who control their tongue will have a long life, right? Or guard your tongue and preserve your life. Opening your mouth wide can ruin everything. And so that really kind of sums up what we said. We have to get this thing, this tongue under control if we want to protect our lives. So how many of you did better this last week after the talk with your, with your words? All right, that's exciting. Give yourself a hand, that's very good. Some of you didn't have success and so uh, maybe you weren't here last week. Hey, that's why we put it on the podcast. You can go back and check that out. So we wanna get a grip on our words. Today I wanna talk about something that we normally don't address head on. I kinda make mention of it here and there in different talks, but I wanna talk today about another area of our life that I think nationwide in our culture is out of control and that is our sexuality. We live in a culture today that absolutely promotes freedom of sexuality. In other words, whatever you want to do with whoever you want to do it with, however you want to do it. And, and, and the message is, as long as it's between two consenting adults, it's okay. As long as you don't hurt anybody, and we know a lot of people are hurting people. I'm not saying that. That's, that's really an epidemic. That's part of the problem. But the idea is that you know, that no restriction. Don't put any restrictions on my sexuality. In fact, any restrictions or any boundaries or limitations that we hear on sexuality is viewed as archaic, it's viewed as oppressive, it's viewed as out of date, right? It's almost viewed as a, you're stepping on my rights as an American to tell me that I cannot do whatever I wanna do with my sexuality. I mean, you turn the television on today, and we really don't do a lot of this in our home because it's so overly sexualized, and you, you turn the television on, you could see a commercial out there today, and this is going back a couple years ago, where some, some 
fast food chain is selling cheeseburgers with a half-naked lady. Now, I just think that that's crazy. Anybody else? I think that's, but that's our overly sexualized culture that we can now almost watch that kind of commercial or a half-naked woman selling an automobile or something like that, and it doesn't even hit us like, man, that's strange or that's odd because we live in an overly sexualized culture. In fact, many people today will actually reject Christianity altogether. They will reject Christ and they will reject uh, church altogether because Christianity seems to bring restrictions or limitations on our sexuality. There's a leading atheist, Bertrand Russell, who's now dead, but he said it this way. Watch this. The worst feature of the Christian religion, the worst, that's, that's powerful words, the worst feature of the Christian religion is its attitude towards sex. Of course, he's interpreting it like, well, all Christianity does is put restrictions and limitations on your sexuality. And I really don't understand, you know, what what he's saying here because I just spent a week with my wife in Mexico and it wasn't just the mountains and the food and the weather that was amazing, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Okay? Now, now listen, I'm a person of faith, and, and I adhere to the Christian religion, and, and I understand the, God's understanding of sexuality, and it is beautiful inside the context of a committed relationship called marriage. So I, when I read this quote, I go, man, that's so odd to me because sex is this wonderful, beautiful, fulfilling, satisfying gift to a married couple. So I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about some of, the, some of the, the misconceptions. I want to talk about some of the consequences of this out-of-control sexuality. In fact, let's just dive into it. This, all this autonomy and all this, this, this need or, or desire to have no limitations on our sexuality, where has that led our culture today? Has it led us to a good place? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I pay attention to the news, I often hear about the latest political leader who's done something sexually that's caused them to lose their position. Anybody else have heard, that, heard about that? They've done something with social media or it's inappropriate with prostitutes or something like that. It's like, wow, those are, our, those are some of our political leaders. In our community, there's, there's, there's pastors and teachers and coaches that will go outside the lines of what God intended for their sexuality. They get in trouble all the time. That's, that's where this freedom of sexuality leads human beings, Right? They get in trouble, they lose their marriages, they lose their families because of this, 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 this thing called, you know, I don't want to have any restrictions, I want to be free sexually. Back in the 1950s, this is amazing, I, I did a little research, 5% of girls and 10% of boys in high school were sexually active. Back in the 1950s. Today, 70% of girls in high school and 80% of boys are sexually active. That's where this whole culture thing has led. Huge shift in, in, in sexuality today. Pornography has become a massive epidemic. I don't know if you're paying attention or not, but it has become a, an epidemic of biblical proportions. I, I am not exaggerating. Back in 2015, I did a little research on this. Back in 2015, just two years ago, there were 87.8 billion visits to porn, pornographic websites in the world. Now, that's a staggering number because there's only 350, no, there's 350 million people in America. There's only 7.5 billion people in the world, in the whole world. And there were 87.8 billion visits to pornographic websites. That was up 10 billion from 2014. So if it keeps tracking that way, 
In a couple years, there'll be 100 billion visits to pornographic websites. Listen, folks, that's a third of all of the internet traffic. One third of all of the internet traffic has to do with pornography. That is a huge epidemic. Today in our world, the, the average age of a person's first encounter with pornography, and I'm not talking about like the stuff we used to have when we were kids, like pictures and magazines. I'm talking about videos of hardcore pornography. The average age is 11 years old, folks. This is an epidemic. Can you imagine what that would do to an 11-year-old's mind and heart and how it would shape their character and their soul and their understanding of people and sexuality? It damages them forever. You can never take it back. In our world today, 92% of boys and 62% of girls will view pornography before they leave high school. It's staggering. 46% of teenagers now say that sending and receiving naked photos or videos is, is part of everyday life. 46% of your teenagers say, well, that's just normal behavior. Yeah, check out this photo, check out this video, send, text, send, text. They may not be able to get the, get the photos at Wi-Fi at school, but they can get off Wi-Fi and go to the go to data and, and, and get the videos and the pictures there and just send it to their friends. It's, it's staggering what's going on in our world today when it comes to sexuality. I read an article recently called A Parent's Primer on Internet Pornography, which I encourage you to, to get. I have the whole article right here by Walt Mueller, and he said this, the internet, mobile devices, and other digital technologies combine to create a world in which children and teens no longer have to look and find for pornography. Instead, pornography finds them. We're so eager to get our kids one of these. And when we get them one of these, it's like we're putting pornography in their pocket. Here, kids, go have fun. That's literally what is happening in our world today. You know, the problem used to be with people out there, right? You hear the stories on, on television or, or you, hear, you read the stories in the newspaper about someone who did something, you know, immoral sexually and they, get, they go to jail or whatever like that. It used to be, well, the problems are out there, right? Now the problems are where? They're right in our home. And we all know somebody who's done something, been a victim of something right close to us. In fact, it's, it's happening inside of our very homes, that's, that's where all this freedom of sexuality has led us. It's not a very good place. Here's what I want to say to you today, and I hope you hear it, hear my heart. It's a heart, heart filled with love. I've, the reason I'm so uh, passionate about this topic is because I, I am eyewitness to lots of pain in this particular topic. I get to see it firsthand up front what sexuality out of control does to a family, does to a person, does to a marriage, does to a relationship between a father and a son and a father and a daughter and a husband and a wife. Hear my heart in your notes. You are free to do as you please, but you are not free to choose your consequences. You're an American. You can look at whichever you want to look at. You can, you can do something sexually between two consenting adults. You can, you can, you can kind of do as you please, but we're not free to choose the consequences. Our culture doesn't talk about consequences a lot. It's not cool. It's not vogue. What's cool in vogue is to be free sexually, do whatever you want to do. That's what's cool, you know. But the consequences are amazing. They're devastating. Our culture doesn't talk about sexually transmitted diseases like gonorrhea and genital herpes and HIV AIDS. They don't talk about that. But the Center of Disease Control says that every year there are 20 million new cases 
of sexually transmitted diseases in the, in the United States. 20 million. Don't talk about that a lot. Don't talk about the, the consequences of free sexuality and, hey, let's go out on a Friday night and hook up with somebody and blah, 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 blah. They don't talk about addiction. They don't talk about how sexual sin is, is almost the same, has almost the, the same addictive tendencies or, or same patterns as heroin does inside of the brain. They don't talk about that. How it releases dopamine inside of your brain and it produces that, that, oh, I want more of that and more of that and more of that. They don't talk about the addictive nature of sexual sin. No, no, no. They just want to say, oh, do whatever you want to do. Don't restrict me. But I sit on the front row of, of men and, 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 and women who are addicted and they cannot stop their sexual sin. They have to have more and more at increased intensity levels to get the same hit, just like drug addicts do. They don't talk about that. We don't talk about the, the, the consequences in terms of feelings of unworthiness or shame that come along with sexual sin. That's not popular to talk about that. All the self-loathing and the self-hatred and all the guilt and, and I, I'm, I must be a pervert and I must be weird and I must be you know, damaged goods. We don't talk about that. We don't talk a lot about the victims of rape or how they feel about life, the victims of sexual abuse. We don't, we don't put their stories out there, right? We don't talk about how it breaks up families because a family is, is basically, it rests on this thing called trust. And as soon as sexual sin enters the picture, all that trust is shattered. They don't talk about how the husbands have to get divorced from their wives and how it breaks up the, the, the kids from the, fam, the, the family and the kids only get to see the families 50% of the time or 25% of the time because, because daddy couldn't keep his sexuality under control. We don't talk about that, how families get broken up. Now talk about the loss of sexual intimacy inside the context of marriage. People today, it's, it's, it's bonkers. It's bonkers. Maybe you have this belief. Hopefully you'll correct it today. People, married couples actually think that they can enhance their sexuality by bringing pornography into the bedroom. And all that does is ruin intimacy because you're now drawing sexual arousal from someone who's not your spouse. I mean, this is common sense. And your wife ends up feeling like, well, am I not good enough? And your husband ends up feeling like, am I not good enough? You have to look at that person or you have to look at them to get aroused towards me. It abso- In fact, pornography inside the context of marriage crushes your intimacy, kills it. We don't talk about that. We're going to talk about that in church. It's absolutely true. They don't talk about the distance that, that takes place between you and God. When, you have, when you're engaged in all kinds of sexual sin, you walk around and you don't even feel close to God. You, you, you start to question, does he even love me? Uh, I mean, am I even a Christian? Do I even love him? Why do I continue to do this? Again and again, I know it's wrong. I shouldn't do it, but I keep doing it. Where am I at with God? And, and you have to live in this, this no man's land, questioning and doubting your faith. And how does God feel about me? See, it's because of consequences and more like those that the Bible is so clear. It urges us to stay away from sexual sin. Listen to what Solomon said to his son on this particular topic in Proverbs chapter 7. He's talking about a man who gives in to temptation, and now he's following this woman, and he's going to have sex with her. And listen to what he says. This man, he's talking to his son, he followed her at once, and he was like an ox going to the slaughter. And in Solomon's day, they knew what that was like. They, Solomon's son knew what it looked like to have an ox have its, its, its throat slit and just slaughtered for its meat. He's like a, an ox going to the slaughter. He's like a stag caught in a net. This is a, a deer caught in the net. Solomon's son knew what that would look like, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. And he uses another metaphor, that of a bird. He's like a a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his, say it with me, his life. See, that's what we're dealing with here. We're talking about life. You hear me talk about abundant life, the life that God has created you for. There is a sexuality that fits inside of that. 
and there is a sexuality that's outside of that. One will give you life and help you find exactly what God intended for sexuality. One will destroy your life. So Solomon gives his son three metaphors, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer caught in a trap, and like a bird caught in a net. Son, don't fall victim to that sin. It'll cost you your life. Does that make sense? How have we gotten off so much with this whole thing called sexuality in our culture? Here's my opinion, okay? I happen to think I'm right. You can judge for yourself. But I think we've gotten off as a country and as a, as, a, as a culture, as a nation, sexually, as a world, really, because we stopped looking to the author for an understanding of sexuality. We've kind of, we've kind of said, you know, I want to make up my own rules, and here's what I like, here's my flavor, here's my taste. We treat it like food. Like, I don't like Chinese food. I like, I like Mexican food. Like, that's kind of how we handle this deal with sexuality. We are calling our own shots. We're playing God, and, and, and so basically we've taken his invention. Did you, did you know that God created sex? Anybody? It wasn't Hollywood. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, he thought about it. He created it, a man and a woman, the way to go together, and, and it's like, this thing is awesome. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. He is the author of sex. In fact, he's the most pro-sex being in the universe. I bet you never thought you'd hear me say that. God loves sex. He created it. Now, he's not in love with what we have done with it. He's going, oh man, you guys are getting this all wrong. I intended it to be like this, and you're taking it, and you're twisting it, and you're making it like this, and now there's all these problems, and it hurts my heart. You've not managed, you've not, you've not been a good steward of my gift of sexuality. So if we want to go back to that and find God's plan, we have, to, we have to go back to his word. We have to find out what he has said in his word revealed to us about sexuality if we want to find the sweet spot. If we want to get the most out of this thing, if we want to understand how it works. After all, he's the author. He created it. Don't you think it makes sense to go back to the one who created sex to figure out what sex is all about? Yes or no? You agree with this? You're not agreeing with me, by the way. You're agreeing with God on this. So let's do that. I want to go back to a letter in 1 Thessalonians. Paul's writing to a group of Christians. And again, if you're not a Christian here, this is, this is just, you're listening in, you're kind of observing. This is, these words are written to Christ followers, they're written to Christians. So Paul is writing to a group of Christians in Thessalonica, and, and evidently they had gotten off track and they needed to get a grip on their sexuality. So listen to what Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, God's will, now the Bible doesn't say that a lot, so let's think this through, okay? We need to pay attention whenever it says God's will. It's like, woo, this is going to be good. God's about to reveal exactly what he wants on this deal. God's will is for you to be holy. All that simply means is to be separated from all that is sinful. Holiness, sanctified. That's God's will for you. So stay away from all sexual sin. Interesting word. This word is the word pornea. In the Greek, this is what it looks like. Does that look familiar to you? What does that look like? Yeah, we get our English word pornography from the Greek word pornea found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, which we'll look at in just a second. The word pornea simply captures any type of sex outside of the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. That is sexual immorality. That is sexual sin. That's the umbrella. So what fits underneath that? 
Any type of sex outside of marriage. If you're married and you have sex with someone who's not your spouse, that's pornea. If you're not married and you have sex with somebody, that's pornea. Any type of homosexual sex, any type of, of masturbation that goes along with pornography or sexual fantasy, all of that stuff falls into this category of pornea. Paul, Paul says, here's God's will. You want to go, you know, I know what God's will is. Stay away from everything that has to do with pornea. That's his will. Now, when you do that, watch this. Watch what he says in the next verse. Then, after you stay away from all that stuff, then each of you will, say it with me, control his own body. That's how you... That, you know what that word means? Get a grip on something. <laughs> this series is called Get a Grip. You and I need to get a grip on our tongue. We need to get a grip on our sexuality. When we align our will with the will of God concerning sex, we control, we learn to control our own body to live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion as the pagans do who do not know God and his ways. See, the outside world, again, they call the shots and then this thing called sexuality. They say, well, when I want to have sex, I'll go have sex. Well, I want to do this, I want to do that, I'll go do that. Whatever I want to do. They don't, they're not concerned about God or God's ways concerning sex. And that's how we've gotten ourselves into the mess that we're in today as a culture. We've stopped looking to the author for an understanding of what sexuality is all about. Am I making sense? Now, some of you hear that and you say, man, that's awfully restrictive. That sounds confining. That sounds like God is a killjoy. Sex only inside of marriage? Like I, some of you are thinking of your mom and dad. Like my mom and dad have been married for 30 years. They never have sex. You know, you're thinking that sounds terrible, you know? Well, that's their issue, okay? It's, it, it's restrictive, but it's restrictive for a purpose. How many of you love fire? I love fire. In our last house, Jackie and I had a wood-burning fireplace in the living room. It was awesome. And some of you, some, today we have a, a gas fireplace in our living room. On cold evenings, we love to put the fireplace on and just enjoy the warmth of the fire. Some of you don't have fireplaces, so you, what you do is you put the Yule log on during Christmas time. <laughs> and you just kind of, I mean, there's no heat, but you like the sound, you like the look. <laughs> right? And you just kind of enjoy, because fire inside of a fireplace does beautiful things, Right? It does what it's designed to do. That's sort of like what, what sex is like. God says sex inside of its proper context does wonderful things. But when you take this fire, you take it out of the fireplace and you maybe put it in the middle of the woods, this is what it looks like. That's not so funny. In fact, in our, in our country today, millions of acres are burned every year by wildfires. Fire taking, taken outside of the context destroys everything in its path. Sexuality taken out of the context of a marriage relationship between a man and a woman destroys everything in its path in a society and a community. And we don't have to go back to all the consequences I just listed. So God puts restrictions on sexuality not to hinder your joy or your pleasure or your satisfaction, but to fulfill it and make sure that it works properly and that it does exactly what it's supposed to do for you. Does that make sense? God is, hey, in this issue of sexuality, God is for you. He's not against you. He is pro-sex. He created it. He invented it. This is good stuff. Aren't you thankful? I'm so thankful for that. 
So with that being said, now we know the target. Now we know what we're looking at. We know what we're shooting for. How do we actually do it? I want to talk to you about some things that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians at a different church called Corinth. Now this culture the culture of Corinth, the city of Corinth, was completely sexualized. I mean, they were, it was a pagan culture. They had temples on almost every corner. There were temple prostitutes that were part of their religious activities, both male and female temple prostitutes. Their sexuality was totally out of control. Well, a bunch of, a, a church had started in Corinth, Paul started it, and there were a bunch of people that got saved there, and now they're having to deal with their sexuality in light of this culture that's triple X, you know, and it's out of control. And so Paul writes some very specific instructions to help these Christ followers, again, writing to Christians, get their sexuality under control in a culture that's much like ours. Listen to what he says. The first thing he says is that your sexuality is not an appetite. Your sexuality is not an appetite. The, 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 the Christians in Corinth, the culture in Corinth basically had reduced sexuality down to an appetite. Here's the thinking, well, I'm hungry, I'm going to go get some food. Like, I have a stomach, there's food, the, the, two, the two satisfy each other, that's great. I'm thirsty, I'm going to go get a drink, right? Thank, thank goodness there's water. Well, guess what, I'm horny, I'm going to go have sex. That's, that was the thinking. They, they, what they had done is they had reduced sexuality down to this very, this, thing, this very simple thing called a human appetite. And like, what's wrong, what's the problem? I eat, I drink, I have sex. What are you talking about, Paul? Listen to the argument, watch this. He says, you guys say food for the stomach and stomach for the food. And that makes total sense. That's fine. But however, God is going to destroy both of those. Those are just earthly things. Watch what he says about the body. The body, however, on the other hand, you can't put the body in with, you can't put the, the, the desires, all the desires of the body in with food and drink. The body, however, is not meant for, guess what this word is? Pornea. The body, your physical body, is not meant for sex outside of the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. It's not meant for that. Instead, it's meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. What is he saying here? He's saying that sex goes way beyond a physical appetite. It is something spiritual. When two people come together and have sex, they are connecting at a spiritual, emotional level. They are connecting at the soul level. Listen to what he says. Your body is meant for the Lord. The Lord is a spirit. You guys know this, that God is a spirit? Your body is meant for God. What that means is that you will live forever in heaven with God after this life is over. Look at verse 14. Look at what he says. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. In other words, <clears throat> excuse me, what Paul is saying is that one day you and I are going to die and our soul is going to be separated from our body. But one day our body will be resurrected and reunited with our soul and at that point we will spend eternity with God. He's driving down this point that sex is way beyond an appetite. It is something very spiritual between a man and a woman inside the context of marriage. In fact, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 Moses writes, he says this, very simply, that a man shall leave his father and his mother and he, be, he shall be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Sex is deeply spiritual. There's a, there's a joining together. There's a oneness that takes place, which is why it's designed for marriage only. Now, if you think, if you disagree with me, that's fine. That's fine. I just want you to consider this. When you talk to a a victim of sexual uh, assault of some type or another. Maybe it's rape or, or uh, something like that. And you ask them, when did the pain stop? 
Did the pain of the assault end when the assault ended? What do you think the answer is? Not a chance. It goes on for months, years, sometimes it goes on for a lifetime. Why? Why wouldn't the pain of a sexual assault end at the end of the assault? Isn't sex just physical? Come on, get over it. Right? I said sorry, let's, go. let's move on. The reason people can't move on is because there's something spiritual about the act of sex. You with me, yes or no? Paul says it's not just an appetite. Listen, you have to understand to become one in this whole thing called sexuality. That's number one. It's bigger than an appetite. Number two, he says you've got to ask the simple question. Do you want to take Jesus with you? (laughs) Do you want to take Jesus with you? Where? Into the sin. See, now I'm talking to Christ followers, okay? So Christ followers believe that when we put our confidence and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. He literally dwells within us. So where we go, he goes. What we look at, he looks at. What we do, he does. You with me? Yes? No? You agree with this? So if I enter into sexual sin, who comes with me? Uh Uh-oh. When I sin sexually, when you sin sexually, just view a little pornography, throw some masturbation in there, cheat on your spouse, you know, just something like that. We take Jesus with us into the sexual sin. Listen to the argument. Watch. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? When you put your faith in Christ, you unite with him? Shall shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Now, he uses the prostitute here because the context there, that was the, the, the big sin there. But again, it's any sin outside of marriage. He says, shall I, take, shall I take Jesus with me and unite Jesus with a prostitute? Look at his answer. Never. I would never do that. And, and, and what would you say? Come on, let's say it together. Never. Come on, we're a little better than that. I'm not so sure. Never. Like, we would never do that. Like, that's, that's craziness. Listen, he, listen, he continues the argument. Watch this. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one body with her? For it is written, watch this, the two will become one flesh. He quotes Genesis 2.24. And then he says this, but whoever is united with the Lord himself has become one spirit. Where I go, he goes. What I look at, he looks at. What I do, he does. That's a powerful argument to which we would all say, I would never do that. And, and some of you think, well, I've never thought about it that way. Exactly. That's the, did you know that's the point of church? Like the whole reason we gather here to give a talk or whatever is to get you to see things that, in a way that you haven't seen them before so that you can adjust your life and make a course correction in this whole area of sexuality. Last week it was words. Next week we're going to talk about attitude. My hope is that you hear what, that's, you hear what Paul is saying and what God is saying through, through Paul's voice and go, whoa, I've never thought about it that way. I can't take Jesus into my bedroom and click on a porn site. I can't, I can't take Jesus and, and go cheat on my, my spouse. I can't take Je- I would never take Jesus with me. See, I, that's why I believe sexual sin is really an issue of amnesia. <laughs> I mean, you lose your mind. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's basically just temporary insanity. Because we have to like block all things out in order to engage in something we know is wrong. Yes or no? It's crazy, temporary craziness. But if we can understand he's always with me, we're going to be able to get a grip on our sexuality. It's more than an appetite. He comes with me wherever I go. Then number three, Paul gives us this question. Who do you think you are? He says to them, guys, who do you think you are? Not, not in a kind of a punky way, okay? Not like, well, who do you think you are? You know, not like that. But just like, who do you think you are to call the shots? 
Like Christianity is all about this idea of stepping out of your little kingdom and, or, or queendom, right? <laughs> I'm stepping out, out of my kingdom into the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is his hand, right? right. So now I'm living in the kingdom and the kingdom has a king. And, and who's the king? Who's the king? Come on, talk to me. It's, it's Jesus. One time Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, he said, why do you guys call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Like he's confused. He's not confused, but he's trying to make a point. He's trying to say, guys, am I the king or am I not? Now, if I've stepped out of my kingdom into the kingdom of God, now I have to look to the king to get my orders about this thing called sexuality. And I have to bring my will underneath his will when it comes to sexuality. But apparently, these Christ followers were not doing that. They were simply acting as the boss or the Lord or the king in their life in regards to their sexuality. They were doing whatever they wanted to do, much like's going on in our culture today. Listen to what he says in verse 19. He says, guys, don't you understand that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? That you literally house God? That when you put your faith in God, he comes to dwell inside of you? Who you have from God and you've received the Holy Spirit from God? Now, this next statement can change your entire life. Listen. You are not your, say it with me, own. You're not your own. You guys were bought with a price. What price? The very blood of Jesus Christ that was spilled on the cross purchased you. God is now the boss. Jesus is now the Lord. He is the one that calls the shots. You are no longer in charge. Who do you think you are, Paul is saying? To just do whatever you want to do with your sexuality. I have this urge, or I'm attracted to this type of person, or I'm attracted to this person. I'm just going to do, I mean, I have desires. Am, Am I not free to do as I wish with my desires? I'm an American. Whoa, 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 whoa. You are a Christ follower before you were an American. Who do you think you are? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. I know Dave Ramsey talks about leasing, and he says you shouldn't lease. But I lease my car, and I have to, that means I have to give it back. It does not belong to me. And I have to give it back to Ray Skillman because I leased it from him. And he comes to our church, so I have to keep it in good shape. (laughs) It's not mine. This body, my sexuality, it's not mine. I have to give it back. I'm a steward of my body. I'm not in control, God says to me. This is how, guys, this is not a sermon. You know what this is? This is the path. Before I knew Christ, my sexuality was all over the place. This is the path I took to get a grip on my sexuality so that, listen, listen to me, so that 18 years into my marriage, I don't go and sleep with somebody who's not my spouse. You see how important this is? This is a path that I must stay on, that you must stay on. Would that not ruin everything in our church? If I just, well, I kind of, you know, I just kind of had an urge, you know what I mean? I got horny, and so, uh, you know, just chose the first person that came up, found somebody online, you know. That's, that would absolutely produce wildfires through this whole community, as it would with any other pastor or spiritual leader in this community. I am not my own. I don't have the freedom to choose what I want to do with my sexuality. Therefore, watch this, honor God with your bodies. Therefore, take this thing called sexuality, submit it to the will of God, and say, God, I'm not going to do what I have urges to do or I have desires to do. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to keep my sexuality inside the context of the marriage relationship. 
And when I've done that over the last 18 years or so, man, it has been entirely blessed. And so Jackie and I are trying to go first in this whole deal. As we try to do in everything. We don't get it right. We don't get it perfect. But we're trying to go first in this deal. Paul says, come on, guys. You're not your own. Take Jesus with you. It'll, it'll, it'll really give you clarity of thinking. And understand that this is way beyond an appetite. The two will become one flesh. Do you agree with this, guys? Do you agree with this? I know this is hard stuff, but do you agree with it? Because if you agree with it, you're not agreeing with me. You're agreeing with what God has revealed in his scriptures about this whole deal called sexuality. What I'm really asking you to do today is to trust him with your sexuality. Instead of trusting yourself or which, how you feel, or your desires or your inclinations or however, whatever you're attracted to, whatever. Instead of trusting all of that, I'm asking you to trust God with your sexuality. Some of you are living with people, you're outside the bounds. You're way outside the bounds. That is sexual immorality, that is fornication, that is pornea. I have walked several people in this church through this process. Hey guys, you're living together. You're not married. What you need to do is move out if you're really committed to each other and you need to get married. You need to do it God's way. I've walked several people through that process. It absolutely can be done. I've walked people through the process of getting free from pornography. They were viewing it every day. They were addicted to it. And because of God's word and his truth, they were set free from the power and bondage of pornography. I have done that personally. It can happen. But you have to be willing to surrender your will to God's will. And we wanna help you as a church. So if you're here today and, and you're trapped in some type of sexual sin, maybe an affair or pornography or something else like that, listen, I want you to come forward. Not down here, but I want you to send us an email. Because we as a church, we want to help you. We want to help you. The reason that I'm so open and honest about stuff is because I want to set the example for you to be open and honest. I don't get all this stuff right. But I'm sure on the path and trying every day to do things God's way. And we screw it up, we mess it up. And so we want to help you. This is, listen, the, one of the greatest things that the devil does to keep you trapped is to convince you you need to keep things a secret. Oh, I can't tell anybody. I got to keep it a secret. And if you keep it a secret, you will never be set free. So we would love to help you. We've got counselors at this church. We've got people that can walk with you through this process. There is forgiveness available. God is a God of grace. I'm asking you to trust him with your sexuality. Now, as I wrap up, I know there's some of you here today, and you're watching, some of you watching online. You're not a Christ follower yet. <laughs> here I am talking about your sexuality. You haven't even given your life to Jesus yet. You haven't even asked him to, tr to be your savior. I, maybe, that's, maybe that's your next step. Where you say to Jesus, wow, I, I need to put my life in your hands. I need to, I need to trust you that, that you died on the cross to wash away all my sin. And you died on the cross so that I could enter into a brand new life. I've done things my own way for so long, and now I'm ready to do things your way. I'm going to trust you to be my Savior. Maybe that's the step you need to take. And if that's where you're at today, I, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so glad you're watching, because I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer where you can just simply say to Jesus, I trust you today. Would you be my Savior? Will you be my Lord? And in this moment, right here, right now, you can become a Christ follower. If you feel led that way right now, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head and take these words and make them your own. Let's do business with God right now. Say to him, Jesus, I come. Wounded, tired, worn out. 
I don't have all the answers. I still have a lot of questions. But I come. I ask you right now in this moment to wash away all my sin, to take away the the hindrance, the block, the wall that was between you and I. I believe your death on the cross and your resurrection from the grave was enough to wash away all my sin. I put my life in your hands. Be my savior today. Help me to trust you with my words, with my sexuality, and with every other area of my life. Help me to bring all of me underneath your leadership, your guidance, your will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, church, can we give God glory today for what he's done? If you prayed to receive Christ today, we would love for you to walk out with a gift from us, a one-year New Testament. There's tables back here to the right and to the left if you're here live. If you're watching online, you can click the button that says, I accepted Christ. We'll be sure to send one of these to you in the mail. We would love for you to have a one-year Bible because we believe you get started hearing God's word and God begins to guide you in your life with his word. And so be sure to grab one of those on your way out. One more time, church, can we give God glory? If we don't get a grip on our sexuality, it could end up costing us dearly. It could, em- it could end up costing us our marriage, future marriage. It could end up costing us our character. We just become people we never thought we would be. I'm sure there's people here today and watching online. You never thought you would be the type of person you are who does the type of things that you do. But then pornography snuck in and this snuck in and that snuck in. And you didn't intend on it but it ended up happening. Please, please, please do what you have to do to get a grip on your sexuality so that you can live the life that God has planned for you. Cool? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I know this was such a difficult, sensitive topic. Thank you for the wisdom. Thank you for the word of God that guides us on these issues. We're not left alone. We, we see what you want. We see what you have. You've planned life for us, goodness, joy, satisfaction, fulfillment, if we do it your way. Help us to submit to your will, to surrender our will to yours, so we can find that life. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Hey, I love you guys. Next week, a little bit of a lighter topic. We're going to be talking about attitude, okay? See you next week. Bring a friend.